the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good uh, Monday afternoon. Welcome to Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in on the Monday edition. Nice to be with you. Hope you had a lovely Easter celebration yesterday. Hope you were in church and celebrating with your church family yesterday. The good news, the good news is that a man who was dead is now alive, continues to be alive. 2,000 years later, he is still alive. And because of that, we have good news to share. And uh, so whatever else is going on in your life, in your world today, that piece of good news is the controlling information of, of the day, this day and every day, not just because it's the day after Easter, but because a man walked out of the tomb, a man who had been dead and is now alive, that changes everything. That changes your circumstances. At the end of our service yesterday, we sang words that uh, were written a few years ago, but they still ring true. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, life is worth the living. Just because he lives. I love the the words in that song that say, talks about a, a baby being born, and it says, It's a great thing to hold a newborn baby, but then it says, but here's what's greater. The calm assurance that child can face uncertain days because he lives. Anybody think we're not living in uncertain days? (laughs) Anybody looking and wondering what life is going to be for a child who is born in 2022? What the future holds? Talk about uncertain days. And yet, that child and every child and all of us can face uncertain days because he lives. The resurrection is the good news. In fact, in fact, let me just say as we start, and by the way, the first hour here is you and me, so most of the time when you're tuned into KKLA, you're here to listen. These are the two hours where you're welcome to join the conversation, to be part of the conversation. 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. First hour is going to be open. In the second hour, we're going to talk about, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the purity culture. Have you heard that phrase get kicked around and and what does that mean and has that been damaging and do we need to be rethinking how we talk about purity as Christians? Dean and Sarah is going to join us in the second hour. He's just written a book on this subject that uh, I want us to talk about. But here in the first hour, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. So first on my mind today is, is the resurrection of Christ. As I preached yesterday, 
it was increasingly clear to me that as if the story of Jesus in the Gospels was was exactly as it's presented, every aspect of it true, but if you ended the, the Gospel stories at the cross, Jesus is crucified, laid to rest in a tomb, the story's over. Two things. First of all, we would not be having this conversation today. We probably would not know the name of Jesus today. There were other people in the first century who had followers who eventually died and everything faded. The reason we're continuing to talk about Jesus is not simply because of his birth or his amazing life or the miracles or the wisdom. We're continuing to talk about Jesus because those who were closest to him, who loved him, who were, their hopes were dashed. They were defeated when he died on the cross. It was over for them. They were headed back to Galilee to fish or back to Emmaus to get back to real life. Where they were, they were going back. They thought it was all over. Story ended, case closed. But the reason it was not the end of the story, the reason we still know his name is because they met a man who stepped out of the grave and came to them and said, I live, and because I live, you can live too. That's that's the thing that distinguishes Christianity from every other world religion. That's the reason we still talk about Jesus today. The resurrection is central to everything. I hope it was central to what was talked about at your church yesterday. I hope it's central to what we think on every day, the resurrection. It's the good news. So happy Easter. Hope you had a lovely Easter. Just one of the things that was on my mind, and I thought I would be curious to know what was talked about at church. Were there any insights into the resurrection yesterday? Anything you heard, anything in the sermon that was preached Anything that came to your mind as you reflected on this that you'd like to share with us, lines are open at 888-52-TALKS if you'd like to join us with an open line in this first hour, 888-528-2557. Today is also, uh, it's tax day, you know that, right? I hope, I hope, <laughs> I, I hope this is, I hope you're not going, oh man, I forgot all about that. I mean, you still got till midnight, but usually takes a little more work than that to get your taxes filled out. I saw this online yesterday. This was funny. Government, you owe us no, you owe us money now. It's called taxes. Me. Okay, how much do I owe? Government. Oh, you got to figure that out. Me. You mean I just pay whatever I want? Oh no, government says, we know exactly how much you owe, but you're going to have to guess the right number. Me. What if I get it wrong? You'll go to prison. <laughs> That's kind of how it works, right? <laughs> so, happy tax day. Uh interesting along the lines of of taxes. Uh there's a there's a piece in today's Wall Street Journal about taxes in California in particular. Uh 
there's there's a study that was done at UC Berkeley, the Institute in Governmental Studies there, did a poll of California voters. And they asked voters, do you think your federal and state income taxes are too low, too high, just about right? Now, if you ask the people who govern us, our politicians, the the legislators, would they say that the taxes we are paying are too low, too high, or just about right? Well, here's what they would say on the campaign trail. They would say that, that the rich are paying too little. The rich need to pay, you've heard this, the rich need to pay their fair share. But when they ask voters, do you think you're paying too much? This is not just the rich, the poor. This is everybody. 64% of California voters said that their federal and state income taxes are too high. This, by the way, is a 10% increase in the proportion of voters who feel this way as compared to six years ago. Six years ago when they asked the question, It was 54% who said my taxes are too high, so it's up 10%. Contributing to the perception, this is from the Wall Street Journal, that income taxes are too high is the fact that many Californians report their economic fortunes have declined over the past year. The poll found that 42% of Californians said they are worse off today financially than they were a year ago. Is that true for you? You worse off than you were a year ago? I mean, the dollar does not go as far as it did. Money's tighter. Harder to pay the bills. 21% of Californians, one in five, says we're better off than we were. So two in five say we're worse off. One in five say we're better off. Six years ago, The reverse was true. Six years ago, almost half of Californians said they were better off than they'd been the prior year, while one in four said that they're worse off. So the numbers have flipped. People are saying it's it's harder. Six years ago, people were saying things are are good. Now people are saying things are hard. The, The answer to what is the appropriate tax burden, this is especially striking because There's a broad consensus that taxes are too high in a state where so many of our elected officials claim that taxes are too low. Maybe some of these officials will eventually have to give way to people who agree with what the voters think. Among among those who were surveyed, a majority of Democrats say taxes are too high. 70% of moderates, these are self-described moderates, say taxes are too high. If you break it down in ethnic terms, 61% of white people say taxes are too high. 65% of Asian or Pacific Islanders say taxes are too high. 66% of blacks, 69% of Latinos say taxes are too high. When presented with a list of what are the most important issues facing Californians, 
What what do you think's at the top of the list for people who are asked about the most important issues facing Californians? The number one issue out of 15 ranked issues, number one, housing affordability. Being able to afford a place to live. The number one most important issue tied to that is the issue of homelessness. Crime and public safety are not far behind. Gas prices are right there at the top. Four out of ten Californians say that recent price hikes in gasoline are causing a very serious problem for themselves and their families. Another 28% say it's a somewhat serious problem for them. The replies are directly related to household income. Those, you know, those who who have more household income are less likely to say gas prices are a problem. So higher gas prices are disproportionately affecting lower income people. Now, if if you stop and think about this, to the extent that the government has any control over the price of of Petroleum, and I would suggest to you the government does have a limited amount of control over it, but a significant, not not complete, but a significant amount of control. When, when the new president comes into office and he says, we're going to work to eliminate fossil fuels, people who are in business making fossil fuels don't go out and invest a lot of money in their future because the new president just said, we're going to try to put you out of business. Well, that's not the time to try to grow, go grow your business when the government says we're going to fight you on that. So 15 months ago when the president said we're going to put an end to fossil fuels, uh, people who make gasoline said, okay, I guess we're not going to invest much money in drilling new oil here. So now when somebody says to you, well, the problem is the, the Ukraine, you know, it's Russia. Well, okay, that's a factor. But you're smart enough to know that gas prices were going up before all of this happened, right? Why, why were gas prices going up? Because the people who are in business to try to turn a profit on fossil fuels were being told, we're going to try to put you out of business by the federal government. And you don't invest when that's the case. That's why when, when the current government says, you know, uh, there, there are uh, there are plenty of leases available. Uh, fuel oil companies could be drilling if they wanted to. the The leases are available. Well, yeah, the leases are available, but it costs money to drill. And the people who say the leases are available are also saying, and and we want to shut you down. And instead of of going to fossil fuel producers in the United States and saying, let us help you out here. We need we need what you make. They say, we're going to shut you down, but then they go to OPEC or to China and say, could we buy from you? And by the way, oil refined in China and in the OPEC nations is not refined at a level of environmental stewardship that is present in the United States. We are better off with American refined oil. If, if you're concerned about carbon emissions, 
better off with it coming from here than from China or from OPEC nations. So Californians say gas prices are having, and, and here's what I was saying about that. that if you're lower income, you still got to buy gas. If you're higher income, you're buying gas, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it hurts, sure, to pay five and a half a gallon for, for a gallon of gas. It hurts everybody to pay that. But if you're making 40000 a year, it hurts you more to buy that gallon of gas than if you're making 140000 a year. It's simple, right? So an administration that says we are not going to tax the poor, well, to the extent that they have any impact over gas prices, the higher those gas prices go up, that's a tax on the poor. The higher inflation goes, that's a tax on the poor. I'm saying all of this in light of the fact that today is income tax day. Your taxes are due today. The Wall Street Journal, in reporting on this, says in the last 15 months, uh, the president has really been working as hard. Uh, has he really been working as hard as his parents one did, once did? Yeah, I, I, I'll wrap up the article. Anyway, income tax day, I'm guessing you would say your taxes are higher than they ought to be. Here, Here's the, if, if we're going to say that, then we have to at the same time say that means we're going to have to reduce government spending because you can't say, I want the government to do more, but I want to pay less in taxes. There's inefficiency in the government. Certainly there is, and we can attack that. But you can't say, I want lower taxes and more products. That's like saying going to the grocery store and saying, I want more groceries. I just want to pay less. Well, all of us do, but that's not how it works. So if you want government to do more, you got to reach in your back pocket and say, here's more of my money. I My challenge with that is I don't think that the government is the best, most efficient spender of those dollars. Now, I will say this, and I think we need to address this. The Bible's pretty clear. We are to pay our taxes. Jesus said that, right? He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God. Some of you would say, but wait, are we supposed to pay our taxes when the government is is funding abortion? Are, are we supposed to pay our taxes when the government is doing things that we think are sinful or wrong or evil? Should we be sending our money to Washington for them to to spend that money? Well, Jesus said, give your money to the Roman government, <laughs> and the Roman government was doing stuff that is sinful, evil. Yes, you you pay your taxes. You, you, you are a, you're a model citizen. You should be, as a Christian, live such good lives among the Gentiles, we're told in the Bible, that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So that should be our our standard today, and some of you would love to find a biblical loophole that says you don't have to pay your taxes. It's not there. You got to pay. It's what we do. It's part of contributing to a healthy society. Now you can vote, you can become politically active, you can help determine the direction of that society, but in the meantime, you pay your taxes. And you can look and say, is this a good investment? And if, if so, do you want to pay more? 
to see the products and services increase, or do you want to pay less and let those let let there be cutbacks? I uh, I got my taxes all wrapped up last week and looked at the number and went okay. And, and that's what we do, right? We just kind of like, okay. So talking to my talking to my son and daughter in law last night, and um, they're they're going to have to pay. At, they've done they've done their taxes, and they still owe about two thousand dollars. And my daughter in law said that that doesn't does that sound right to you? I mean, it just feels like, given our income, that just feels like we shouldn't have to be paying that much. And I said, well, you understand. You're not just paying two thousand dollars. There's been money withheld from your paychecks all year long. They're just saying they didn't withhold enough, and now they're they're coming due for what's left. You, you got to keep in mind whether you're getting a refund this year or whether you're having to pay more this year. Whatever that number is, that's not what your taxes are. Your taxes are a big number, a percentage of your total income, and and a big percentage of your total income. I, I hope. I hope you get that. The number is not the number that's at the bottom line of your tax returns that you're filing. All right. So we can. I don't. I don't know if you want to talk about taxes or about Easter. This is open lines in the first hour here on Southern California Live. Eight 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 fifty two talks is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I'll tell you what. I'd really love to hear from you about today, and we're we're going to take a break here in just a minute. But I would love. We'll, we'll talk more about this on the other side. I'd, I'd love to hear from you about the challenges that we are facing as a nation and as a state when it comes to the issue of immigration and what you think is the right and appropriate policy, thinking biblically about this, how should we be dealing with the border challenges, and the border crises that are in front of us. And I'll, I'll explain more about what's got me thinking about this um, after we take a time out. Again, open lines this hour. We can talk about whatever you'd like to talk about at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'll uh, take your calls and continue the conversation as your Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on a Monday, tax day. That's probably why we're playing Don't Bring Me Down this hour. (laughs) 888-52-TALKS, the number. Here in the first hour, we've got open lines. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. This is the the time during the week when we open things up and uh, get a chance to to make it a conversation. So you're welcome to call at 888-528-2557. Lines are open. If you are flying anywhere, you know, today was supposed to be the day that the the mask restriction got lifted on airplanes in airports. And then we learned last week, now we're going to extend it for another couple of weeks. We just want to make sure. Well, today, a judge in Florida has overturned the CDC's travel mask mandate saying it is unlawful. 
Now, I don't know what that means if you're flying tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to tell you you have to have – if they're going to say federal law says you have to put a mask on. And if you say, well, no way, a federal judge has said that's unlawful. I don't know how that's playing out in the real world on an airplane tomorrow. But it's interesting that this Florida judge has stepped in here and said the mask mandate is unlawful. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I want to spend part of the time this hour talking with you about the issue of immigration. And and what brought this up, I think many of you know, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has decided that with the Texas border facing an overflow, more than 100,000 every month coming across the Texas border, uh, the governor has decided to bus some of these who are being rounded up, bus them to Washington, D.C., and uh, drop them off at the Capitol. It's it's a, admittedly a, a piece of theater. It's a it's a stunt, but it's designed to draw attention to the fact that there's a real issue happening in Texas. And I, I would love, because I know some of you immigrated, some of you have become citizens, some of you are here as immigrants. I'd particularly like to hear from those of you who are immigrants to the United States. Some of you may be refugees. What do you think we should be doing at the border? What What is the right thing for us to be? Do we just open it up to whoever needs to come in? Eight 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 fifty two talks is the number. If you, I'd, I'd love to engage in some dialogue because there's some passages that deal with this. But we're going to go to the phones. Now, open lines, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about this hour. Carrie is on the line with us from Santa Barbara. Carrie, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Uh, thank you. And you're talking about taxes earlier, and I've asked this question uh, many times. I've lived in many places in the world. If the United States just constituted a VAT tax or as a flat tax, as they say like other countries do, you could do away with the middle layer of the, uh, of the IRS, Everybody be paying their fair share. So if you made a thousand dollars, you'd pay a thousand, you know, ten ten dollars. And if you made a hundred thousand, you'd be paying ten thousand. So everybody would still be paying their fair share. And then half the country that collects money that doesn't even pay taxes in, or they collect cash because uh, they're uh, coming across the border, as you mentioned earlier. That way, everybody that's that's doing something for society is paying taxes and i think it'd be fair for everybody and i think uh ross perot back in the day you know suggested this and of course they didn't get anywhere but i think that would uh the government would have more money than they do right now and everybody would be paying less taxes the only one that would not like it of course are the ones that are getting free handouts yeah and the whole idea of a flat tax was very popular like you said 10 15 years ago it seemed there was some momentum Steve Forbes was one of the people who was waving the flag for a flat tax and then all of a sudden it seemed like it just lost all of the energy if if you were doing a flat tax would you exempt um mortgage income or or mortgage deductions would you allow for a mortgage deduction I probably I probably would 
uh, allow for the mortgage deduction on that as well. And then, of course, the federal, you know, the, this money would be going into either to the state or the federal, then they would have to decide the states on how much they need to give you out, you know, to pay into the, to the federal taxes. But, it, you know, it just, um, it'd be so much easier. You wouldn't have to do this tax rush. You wouldn't have to do yeah. the paperwork. You go in the store, you pay that, uh, that extra tax, 20% or 10% or whatever it is, and you're done with it. No IRS, no paperwork. Everybody's paying taxes. And and the thing I like about a flat tax versus a, a value-added tax, you're talking about a value-added tax when you talk about a consumption tax. The, I like a flat tax on income better because the the concern I've got with a value-added tax is that those people, it, it does hurt the, the lower economic people who are spending – uh, the money they're making, they're, all of their money is going to get taxed. People who are wealthier, the money that they're saving is not going to get taxed because they're not consuming with it. So I would rather tax the income at a flat rate. I would probably leave the bottom side of that, uh, you know, say we're going to, we're going to tax every dollar you earn after 20,000, after 25. You come up with a number so that, so that those who are, you can buy the first 25,000, you've got that. And then after that, is where I'd kick it in, and I would probably leave a deduction in for your mortgage and for charitable donations, but not a whole lot of deductions beyond that. And again, I, uh, Carrie, th- thank you for your call. By the way, eight 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 fifty two talks is our number. We're talking about whatever's on your mind this afternoon. The, the, the I don't know why the the steam ran out on on the whole idea of a flat tax. I don't know what happened to cause people to say, yeah, we're not we're not going to do that, but. I think the idea has merit, and I think there's some equity there. I'm trying to figure out whether the right way is it equity or is it equality. You know how that works. So, I think there. I think it's worth, and and I don't know why people are not stepping back in here on on tax day. Maybe it's a good idea for that to to come back into the public discourse and the public conversation because right now it's just. It's completely convoluted. Trying to figure out what you owe is, is, I mean, I have somebody do it for me. I pay somebody to do it for me because there's, there's too much complexity, and I want to make sure uh, that, that there's somebody else helping me out and we're getting it right. So I, I don't know how you will look at that or how you feel about it. Again, open lines today at 888-528-2557. We're talking about whatever is is on your mind today. I, I mentioned the issue of the border and and the whole issue of immigration. And again, I'd love to hear from those of you who are in the United States, um, either immigration status, whatever your immigration status is. And honestly, I know that even asking folks to call who are, if, if your immigration status is um, if if there's a question about your immigration status, you you're laying low. You're not raising your hand to talk about much. Uh, we 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 can talk anonymously here. I don't don't think you'll find yourself in any any challenge. But I'm wondering what those of you who immigrated to the United States, those who have become citizens, those who are in the process of becoming citizens, those who are just here on a visa, those of you who how you got through. I'm wondering what you think we should be doing at the border. I think I heard this right. I think I heard that last year we had the population of the city of Houston, Texas, cross the border last year. More than a million. 
It's going to be higher this year. It's going to be even higher next month because further regulations, what's called Title 42, is about to be repealed. That was that was keeping some people out because of COVID-related concerns. That's going away. Here's the thing. I think everybody who's listening, and and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you disagree with this, but I'm, I'm guessing every one of you listening today would say that if somebody came and said, we need refuge, we're from Ukraine, we had to leave everything to flee for, for safety, for, our, for my wife, for our kids. We're coming to live in the United States, and, and we're coming here uh, for protection and for safety reasons and because we have relatives here and we can come live with our relatives. I'm guessing everybody would say, of course, of course, come and, and stay. Yes, we want to help you. There are people who are fleeing persecution, and of course, we want to help those folks. But I don't know if you heard about this. People from Ukraine, from the Ukraine, they've gone to to uh, to to uh, government agencies in Europe to try to figure out how they can get asylum in the United States, and the government agencies in Europe are so clogged up that some of these Ukrainian refugees are getting plane tickets to Mexico City and then coming to Tijuana and then crossing the border because they've heard, you want to get in the United States? Don't try to go through the process in Europe. It's all clogged up. Just get to Tijuana and come on through. And, and again, People who need safe harbor and who are coming to live with a relative or have got an, an observation, you know, they, they've got a way to come in and contribute. We want to be, I think, don't we? We want to be a nation that is welcoming to the stranger and says, come and join us. But that can't mean open borders. It can't mean what we've got going on right now. Uh, we'll take your calls on this. We'll take, take a quick break, and then we'll get to the phones. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Sylvan, stay on. We'll come to you as soon as we come back here in just a minute as your Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. Eight fifty two talks, Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on the Monday edition. Open lines in this first hour. Next hour we're going to talk about the purity culture and the biblical message of purity and how that has that been mishandled by some in our day. That's coming up next hour with Dean and Sarah. Right now it's open lines, and uh, let's go to the phone. Sylvan is on the line from L.A. Sylvan, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm not too bad about yourself. Good. Uh, basically, I immigrated here my family back uh, from the Romania during the Ceausescu regime. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are, but he was a pretty bad guy, especially for Christians. 
Um, so basically, it took us four and a half years to come to the United States for the time we decided we wanted to leave Romania. And most people would say, oh, okay, it was all because of Romania. No, the last year, you know, three and a half years, it was Romania to let us leave. And then the last year was basically for America to receive us. Because basically, okay, Romania said, go ahead, you guys can leave. But then America had to say, okay, who are you guys? You guys are, after all, coming from a communist nation. And you need to verify and validate who you guys are. You know, and that's part of the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. Romania was pretty good at keeping records. But there, sometimes other countries aren't so good at keeping records. So then how do you validate who a person is? So in the, in know, the midst of a... really all about how do you... You know, I say I'm Jim. Who are you to be able to say I'm not? You know what I mean? I could yeah. be a bad guy. So, so here's my question for you. You were in the midst of a um, of a crisis under under Ceausescu in Romania, and yes, I do remember the day, and I remember what an evil man he was. Uh, three years for the United States to check you out before they would say. We we can let you come in. We we look at that and hear that story and go. We we've got to do better than that at at uh, getting people who are in need uh, to to have a place of of refuge in our country. So in the in the midst of that, where while you were waiting to try to get in the United States, were you feeling like you were just caught in a bureaucracy? Like you were? Uh, what was going through your mind? I mean, at times, that's what it was. But, I mean, again, how do you validate who, who people that are coming in are? You know, it's not that easy of a task. Right. Even if you set, you know, hundreds and thousands of people on that task, if, if, if you don't have records and if you can't trust the records that are being provided, how do you validate who the person is? And your point is, your point is, we've got to do that, right? As a country, we've got to have some. We we got to check out who we're saying yes to, right? Yes, I mean, I have no problems and no, you know, even the, the I know many people that have come here illegally, and I understand exactly why they do it. And if anybody should be upset at how the things are happening to them, should be in the end like that. I mean, I I understand them, but at the same time. What is going to prevent the bad guy from coming in and not only messing it up for for me who we immigrated here legally, yeah. but for all Americans? Yeah, I was thinking about you today, Sylvan. Not you specifically, but I was thinking about people who are are standing in line waiting to buy a ticket to get into a concert, and they see people just over to the right, and these people are jumping across the fences and and getting in for free, and the people who are standing in line are thinking. Well, wait. Why am I waiting, and why am I spending money if I can just jump over the fence and get in for free? And I understand a lot of people just say, "Well, just break break the line and go jump the fence." And yet, we've got to figure out. And this is the, the reason I think that there is such a a challenge at the government level in in terms of immigration is because it's a complex issue. I was having a conversation with somebody who was saying. We need the borders need to be more open, and and I said so. Would you just you let anybody? Well, no. It it's a you start peeling it back. It's not a simple issue, and 
I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you got in. Thank you for honoring what was a long, hard process to get here and and coming in the right way. And thanks for calling this afternoon, Sylvan. Jim is on the line in L.A. Jim, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Yes, yeah. So it's very simple. I got you. The world is in a big crisis right now. And most of the people, the way they thought in those countries, they feel like uh, America is where the freedom is. It's a lot of Americans have. Like I said, sending their resources over there to teach people how to have peace, to teach people how to get along, to really provide resources so that they can really be able to stay where they are. You're not going to find a solution to this. This this is what's happening today. America is advertising to say, hey, come here, we have freedom. But I think the better way would be to go ahead and start teaching people how to live in their own countries, how to get along, and then help them with their economy and all that. But other than that, you might as well just open up the borders. So, Jim, uh, tell me your story. How did you get to the United States? I was an international student. So I came in and, uh, you know, I applied. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, uh, you know, getting approved in the state. But, you know, anytime you see what Texas is doing, sometimes you've got to put yourself in those people's shoes to see what are they really going through in their lives? What are they really dealing with? Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people think like they're just looking for a free ticket to come in and get a free meal here. No, there are issues that are dealing with. They probably were dealing with mental health issues before mental health issues was an issue right now. And, uh, you know, most of them come from broken families. Majority of them, they're dealing with the economy for the most part. And uh, that's what drives them, like, gives them the drive to get here. But I'm saying that they're free. And you've seen what all those Haitians were doing. They don't have anything over there that can really support. We're crying over like six dollars worth of gas. They don't even have money to eat, yeah. you know, for almost like a day or two or even a week. Okay, and, I do and, remember people that have been like you know living off seventeen dollars a week. Yeah, okay? seventeen dollars a week. You can't even buy happy meals with that for McDonald's for a family in yeah. one day. You know, so and, and I think I think. I think your point, I think it's a it's a great point to the extent that we can help people stay. I mean, I think the people, most people would prefer to stay where they grew up, where their family is, where they have a, a structure. But those who are fleeing are often fleeing because there's economic distress there's there's poverty there's there's medical issues there there are issues the the challenge is when when you look and say okay we're going to be committed as a nation to try to make where you're living a better place so that so that you can stay there rather than thinking i want to come to the united states the problem is there's graft and corruption at the highest level you try to help some countries and you you can't help because the government officials are are corrupt and the money never gets to the people and and you're talking about regime changes and everything at that point Again, this is why immigration is the complicated issue that it is. 
And and so dealing with and, and I will also say this. I, I think this is why organizations that that uh, Christian organizations, relief organizations that are seeking to address issues of world poverty. Uh, are are so important and so necessary. Organizations like World Vision, like Compassion International, uh, that's these. We've supported Compassion Kids for for decades. My wife and I have. We we feel a responsibility to do that, and and I think it's a part of how we address the issue of need around the world. Jim, thank you for your call. Yvonne is on the line in Torrance. Yvonne, thanks for calling this afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. I was calling. Um, I've been lucky enough um, for being born here, but my parents were immigrants. I come from immigrant parents. They came in the 70s, and they came in to work, they, and they came just to make a better life and help support their family in Mexico and raise And I was listening to everything, and I think it's, it's is really hard, and there's a lot of Good things and bad things. People are coming over here because they want a better life. However, some people are coming expecting to be given everything, mm. money, food, housing. And we have other problems here. We have a lot of homelessness here, too, that we need to help. And we need to help our people that are here now to continue helping other people that are coming in. Some people, are immigrants that are coming, are expected to be given so much. They think they're going to come in and get the golden ticket. And... It's not like that. It's really hard. Are they are they thinking that, Yvonne, because they're hearing back in their country that if you can get to the United States, you'll just be taken care of? Or are they thinking that because they are used to a government program where government uh, provides uh, services and, and funds for you? I think it's because the people talk. Um, I went on a trip to South America in July with my family. And I met a lady that said her daughter wanted to come in the caravan. And her daughter was young and was going to bring her son with them. And the son was only about 18, you know, a year and a half. And that was her ticket in. If they see you with the kid, they're going to bring you in. So they hear that, oh, it's so easy. You come over here and you're, you're going to get a ticket. You're going to get free food. You're going to get food stamps. You're going to get housing. And... I know there's people that come from other countries that can contribute a lot. I know they're very educated people, too, that are trying to flee their country because maybe, you know, like, like what's happening in the Ukraine. And I know that some of them are very educated. And, you know, in the process, see what they can contribute. How can they contribute to our country? Not just give them free things and say, okay, figure it out. Guide them. Maybe there's some that are educators, some people that are able to build homes and give them a job and help them out. We we it, want it, to be a nation that a, a nation that is open to we, we are a nation of immigrants. That, that's who we are and and figuring out how we can continue to welcome in strangers and those in needs and those who want to contribute to to what America is. That's a part of the challenge that's before us. As you've heard, folks, it's not a simple issue. Nobody's got simple answers, but it's an issue that's got to be addressed. We got to do better than what we're doing right now with tens of thousands of people coming across illegally every month. All right, we'll wrap it up for this hour. On the next hour, we're talking about purity. Stay with us as the Monday edition of Southern California Live continues.
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.